morning very much in the whole area of how, how does God mature you into that purpose and destiny? And how does he put his hands in your life and, and lead you through that time? Because he is as passionate about releasing you into your purpose and destiny as we are to find it. Amen? So, Father, help us today. We, we just want to thank you for the way the Holy Spirit has just been so present in this time. And, Lord, we just want to enter your presence and just ask you to give us revelation individually, but also corporately. What have you got for us? What are you doing in our lives at this time? Really speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look from uh, 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. And I want to look uh, really through Peter's life, but how God used him and treated him, and how he slowly matured him. So 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses uh, from 3 to 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his great mercy, he has given us his great... Sorry, I need my glasses. I did this last time. I'm in this stage where I'm slowly working in my way through glasses. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. But it's kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now listen to this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now, right now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these have come so that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, so that your faith may be proved genuine, and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's got to do something to show that there is something happening in you. He puts us through things. He speaks a word into us. And you, you know as well as I do that you know, faith comes by hearing the word. That seed of the word comes into us. But God's got to know that it's actually germinated. The word is called the, the sperma, the seed of the word of God comes into the womb of our spirit. It's conceived, and faith is the conception of that seed of the word of God. God in the womb of your spirit. God's got to know, has it germinated? Has the word that I've spoken to you actually taken root? And that's what this is all about, these times when he's maturing us. So what he tends to do is he takes us into wilderness times where he has to do something. And it's in the wilderness that something happens. In the universe, Isaiah chapter 40, it says that there's a voice crying, in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. And it's in that wilderness that he lifts up every valley in your life of low self-esteem, insecurity, sense of failure, in all of those deep valleys of fear, shame, but he's also committed to knocking down a few mountains. Anybody had some mountains knocked down? Mountains of arrogance, pride, and all the stuff that, you know, the independence. And in some of our lives, he has to deal with some rough edges and some crooked ways. So all of that is something that happens during this wilderness time. What he's doing is preparing 
a highway. He's preparing a runway for the Spirit of God to land. Because God, whether we like it or not, God works through a person, a man or a woman, or through people. He's looking for a place, a person that he can land on. So he has to prepare that person. And it says in Isaiah 40, suddenly when he's done all this, the glory of God comes. Everybody is aware God has come. And you see it in people's lives. But the Bible talks about in Isaiah 35 that in that wilderness, God prepares a highway of holiness. It's a, it's a, it's a highway of holiness. Holiness is not being squeaky clean. Holiness is, means that you are exclusively set apart just exclusively for God's purpose. You're there, literally on that highway, saying, God, no other distractions, I'm there for you. And what he's doing, he's looking for people who are like this, you know, literally eyes fixed on him, he can come and land. But so often we get distracted, we're, you know, we're busy here, busy there, busy doing Christian stuff, or other stuff. But often, even with Christian stuff, we can get so busy that we lose our focus on him. And it's so easy to be in church, but not in the presence of God. To be in Christ, but not in the presence. We've got to be so careful we don't get mesmerized by busyness, Christian busyness. That doesn't lead to destiny. You've got to be with him, in his face. There's an amazing scripture in 2 Samuel 14 about Absalom, where it says that Absalom was in the city for two whole years, and he never once saw the face of his father. That's almost like a prophetic picture of the church. People who finally make it into church in the city, but they have long since had an encounter with the intimate presence of God. I mean, how many of us here have actually recently just been in that incredible presence of God? Sometimes we've, you know, we've got to get desperate because it's that desperation that leads you to the presence of God coming. I'll never forget when I was... Uh, a young Christian, I was so desperate for the presence of God. I was in the south of Germany with this little group of people. And we were so hungry to, to, to literally to see the face of God, to feel the presence and the glory of God. We were just standing up and sharing how hard we were. Some of us hadn't cried for ages. We just felt, God, you've got to do something. We're desperate for you. And suddenly heaven opened and that, that what the Bible calls the kabod, the heavy presence of God came, so heavy that every one of us was thrown off our seats and onto the floor, pressed down onto the floor. It was like heavy, heavy presses. It's the only time in my life I was weeping. Everybody else was. It was the only time in my life I've audibly heard God speak to me. That ruined me for life, for just doing religious stuff. It's got to be for him. It's got to be for his presence. It can't be religious activity. So we've got to get through that to a place where we know that God is, God is working in us and through us. I want to read a verse from Hosea 2.14 in the voice version, which talks about the way he leads us. It's in the female version, but it's male and female. But it says about this, but once she has nothing, then I'll be able to get through to her. So I'm going to entice her. And I'm going to lead her out into the wilderness where we, this is God speaking, where we can be alone. And then I'll be able to speak right to her heart and I'll try to win her back. 
And then I'll give her back her vineyards. And I'll turn this valley of Achor, this valley of trouble, into an incredible gateway of hope. And in this wilderness of exile, she will learn finally to respond to me. You see, that's the heart of God. He wants to be in our face. He wants us to be able to just be there eyeball to eyeball. And sometimes we're so busy doing stuff, we don't stop and listen. And Aaron, when Aaron just stood and said, look, let's just stop. That is precious. We've got to have those times in our daily times just to stop and listen and know what he is saying. Now, you need to realize about God that God's ways of maturing and creating spiritually are the same as the way he does it physically. And physically, God's days begin, God's days of creation, Genesis 1, started with sundown. God's day started with sundown. The evening and the morning were the first day. God's days always start with sundown, not sunrise. For us, a day begins with sunrise. And so what you need to realize is that God spoke a word, let it be, and then he turned out the light. And spiritually, that is exactly what happens to you and I. He speaks to us a word prophetically, or maybe through the word, as you're reading it, and you think, yay! And then he turns out the light. And exactly the opposite happens to what you thought was going to happen. Anybody been there? It's, it's, a, it's a common experience, but they don't tell you that when they prophesy. You've got you've to realize that God speaks a word and he turns out the light. And then in that dark room experience, he then begins to develop your negatives. Slowly all of those, and it's not to condemn us, slowly those negative things in our life become very transparent. We think, whoa, God, I didn't realize, realize that about me. And it's not for God to condemn, it's for God to say, this is the problem. Let me put my hand on it. Let me just deal with this thing. And then you can be released into that full daytime of what I've given you. So for all of us, we've got to realize that is the journey we're going through spiritually. So here comes Jesus to Peter. Peter he gives Peter a complete ultimatum. Come on, Peter, you repent, you believe, you come, you follow me. It's complete, unconditional surrender. And the trouble is that what it did was it, it, it triggered, and you'll, this is something that I've found in my life, the call of God triggers your flesh. Your flesh always reacts to it. And so what was in Peter's flesh was independence, I can do it, that type of thing. And it, that call to surrender, it immediately triggered something in Peter, think, I can do it. He was just such a, a bold, brash, I can do it kind of person. And he thought that he could work for God and do a lot for God. But he had to learn, you can't do that. You've got to have complete surrender so that the Spirit of God can work through you. And you know the story that he, he ended up having to go back to fishing. He thought he was a complete failure. He couldn't even catch any fish. And hear me on this, because very often... Very often, God has to allow some of us who are gifted and do-it kind of thing, people, he has to allow us to get to a place of seeming failure before we will listen to him. Often we have to get to that place where we get to rock bottom before we finally hit the rock, Christ Jesus. 
I've been there because I thought I could do it. And we've got to allow, you've got to realize this is not because God's nasty. It's because God has to get our attention and make us realize that this has to be by his spirit. So Peter's point of decision was, am I going to obey him and just throw the net on the other side? And of course, you know the story. He threw the net on the other side of his boat and he caught an incredible catch. And once we start doing what God wants, in God's way, he comes. I'll never forget how I, I rushed off in Gusco when God told me to start, a, this is after leaving the army, he said, start a Christian company to raise funding for a Christian school. Of course, I said, yes, God. I was going to work for God. I was going to make millions, but I was going to do it my way. Anybody been there? I was in the high court being sued for everything I had within two months because I did it my way. I didn't listen to my wife, Rachel, who said, don't do it that way. Prophetic Rachel. I've learned to always listen to Rachel now. But it was, <laughs> it was, it was a, a, a sad moment. I've had to realize you don't do it your way. We work with God, not for him. It's a very different thing. And gifted people with a lot of gifting and character think they're going to work for God and it's going to be impressive. It doesn't work. You've got to just work with him. I remember when I first joined the Reinhardt Bonke team, he, Reinhardt called me to his office and he wanted me to be his crusade director. I hadn't got a clue what to do. So I remember him looking at me and just saying, ah, it's easy. He said, just go and do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Now go. And... Uh, <laughs> For me, that was, my, that was my sum total of my Bible school. <laughs> Just learn how to hear God and walk with him. Yes, you'll have all hell breaking loose against you as you start walking with him. But you've got to learn to hear him and then step into it. And it's a faith thing. You step into it, all hell breaks loose, and you walk through all the problems. But you've got to learn that. It's got to be by faith that we are giving up our independence, giving up our I-can-do-it type thing, and we just let the Spirit of God flow through us. What I didn't realize was that, and this was something I learned early on, was that God not, was not going to judge me by what I did. God's going to judge you and I against what he called us to do. It's two very different things. Often we can get so hyperactive with Christian stuff but it's not what God told you to do. We've got to know that we know that we've taken time to dial down, be with God, and God just say, this is it. This is the time. This is the pathway. This is the process. And in every call of God, there's a, a, there's a, a plan, but there's also a method of doing it, and there's also a timing. Three different things. You've got to get all three right. You can be doing exactly the right thing, but in the wrong way and in the wrong time. You've got to know that you've been long enough in God's presence to get all those three things right. So Peter had some tests to go through, and I need to be quick. Some of Peter's tests, test number one, he had to get rid of all the triumphalism, the independence, the self-effort. Those are things that I had to get rid of. He had to just get rid of all of the stuff that was just lots of noise, lots of activity, lots of me, 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 before God could really harness him 
and used him for his apostolic purpose. I remember when I first started off in Germany in my regiment. I'd just been saved in, in, in Cambridge, came back to my regiment. I was in the chapel every night praying, praying, praying. I was desperate for the presence of God. No other Christians in the regiment, but I was there in the chapel every night praying. You know, three months, every night just praying. Sometimes I even fell asleep in front of the altar there. Absolutely nothing happened. Anybody been there? <laughs> and I thought, this is crazy. And then I, I went down to Rheindahl in South Germany uh, on a course, and uh, this little guy came up to me, and he, he just he spoke to me and just said, you're not, God's desperate to get through to you. I didn't know who he was. But he said, God's guess, desperate to get through to you, but you've dug yourself into a hole of unbelief. You've got to realize that God answers prayers of faith. You've got to learn to hear the word. And it was an extraordinary moment there. But another thing happened that was, while I was praying, a dove flew into that, that uh, church building. And every day I tried to catch that dove and release it. It took a week for that dove to finally get rid of all of its strength, its own self-effort. And it was lying there panting, about to die. And I crept over to it, grabbed it, lifted it up. And as I threw it out of the door, back into freedom, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, that is exactly what you do to me every day. He said, every day I try and put my hand on you. You say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And you flutter away to the rafters. He said, when will you learn? You cannot do anything. Jesus said, I do nothing that I don't see my father do. And you can do nothing without me. And for people who are gifted, that is a biggie. And it took years for, for God to break the independent pride in me, and as he did in Peter. Sometimes it is painful. And I went through some painful stuff for God to finally get through to me. But Peter finally saw through, and he realized, I, ca I can't do this. And he submitted to God. And he saw, actually, by submitting to the Spirit of God and being willing to go through with him with, and suffer it with him, that was the greatest power. He says in one of his letters, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he says, listen, I've learned this. He said, I want to pick, pick up this weapon, arm yourselves with the willingness to suffer with Jesus, to sacrifice things. If you do that, it's a sign that sin has already left you. You've, it's been defeated. He said, that is your greatest weapon. Pick up this weapon of being willing to suffer with him, to sacrifice, to not always get my way. And unfortunately for me, I always had to get my way. And God just says, no, you've got to realize that it's a different time. You've got to submit to me. The second test was that Peter had to surrender his natural gifting. And for those of you who, who, who ride horses, you'll realize that the strongest horses are sometimes the hardest to break. If you are a gifted, a naturally gifted person, sometimes it's really difficult to harness you and to, to bring you to being broken so that he can harness you for adventure, harness you for his purposes. We've got to realize that he wants to bring us to a place where we are under his authority. And Peter had to learn to surrender to that and get to a place where he was completely gripped with the Spirit of God and flowing with the Spirit of God. One of the experiences he had to have 
was a direct confrontation with Father God. And do you remember the story how God, Jesus, took his friends, Peter, James, John, up to the top of a mountain, and there he was transfigured in front of them. And right at that moment, as Peter was trying to organize everything, form some tabernacles for them, do it all his way, God the Father turns up and literally shouts at him, this is my beloved son. Peter, listen to him. It wasn't some religious thing. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. This was a direct confrontation to his independence. From that moment, you never hear of him once wanting to get his way. He got to a place where he just submitted to God. He walked with him and began to eventually just flow in that apostolic gifting. The third test he had was he had to get through being offended. You know that uh, passage where uh, Jesus really offends him with some of the things he, he says. And Peter says, Jesus, I'm not getting out anyway. Where, where can I go? You've got the words of eternal life. I'm going to get through this. And we've got to realize that as Christians stepping into the destiny and call of God, we will be offended. Somewhere along the line, you'll be offended with yourself. You'll be offended with others. You'll be offended with leaders. You'll be offended with God. But somewhere along the line, in stepping into your purpose and destiny, you will be offended. Luke 17 verse 1 says, offenses are going to come. And in church, we've got to learn how to deal with it. You cannot allow that offense to lock you up. I got locked up by offense because offense, scandalon is the word, that is a little bit of bait in an animal trap. If you grab that thought or those juicy ideas or something and you just begin to believe it, you get offended. It's like an invisible shell comes around your heart. You cannot feel the intimate presence of God. You can't even feel intimate with other people. There's an invisible shell around you when you get offended. This is the thing that most stops people achieving their purpose. I almost missed it when I went to Malawi. My first crusade with Reinhard Bonke, I went into Malawi. I got ripped to pieces by nine missionary leaders who said, we don't like you, we don't, we don't want you in this nation, we're going to have you kicked out. And I got really, really offended and hurt by them. We went on to have a national revival where we, we had the most extraordinary move of God. 100,000, 150,000 people came to our meetings. And we eventually ended up in Parliament where Rainer Bonker preached to the whole of Parliament. And 50% of the nation, the, 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 um, the, the nation's parliamentarians, gave their lives to Christ. It was an incredible breakthrough. But my next nation, which was, was, was Kenya, I just... I couldn't get it. I couldn't feel God's presence. I felt a lack of intimacy in the family. I couldn't feel intimate with Rachel, with the kids. I was just not there. And God spoke straight to my heart, as you know God does. He's good, but he's not very nice at times. He tells you straight, and he said straight to my heart, if you don't fly back to Malawi and repent to every one of those nine men, hey, I was the victim. He said, if you don't fly back and repent to them of your attitude, you will walk around the wilderness for the rest of your life. Do you know, I was so convinced it was God. I flew all the way back to Malawi. I repented and said sorry to every one of those missionary leaders, apart from one. And the guy who's the meanest guy, I finally said, okay, 
Uh, I'm flying out at this time. If you can get to the airport, I'll see you. There he was at the airport waiting to see me. And I finally got to say, God sent me here to say, I'm sorry. As I said, I'm sorry, the shell broke. And I began to sob like a baby. And I knew that is a killer. If you and I don't deal with offenses, often against ourselves, you will not accomplish your purpose. You'll walk around that wilderness like the people of God. Most of the people of God died in the wilderness. Just a couple got over. We've got to realize this is serious stuff. Don't get stuck in religious circles. Deal with any offense. Deal with unforgiveness. Deal with things which can hijack the purpose and call of destiny in your life. It's better to be reconciled than to be right. And so many of us want to stay in that place of being right. Quickly, number four, test four, was Peter had to learn then to walk on the word. We all learn in Sunday school that he, he walked on water. Peter didn't walk on the water. Peter walked out on the word. Jesus shouted, come! And Peter walked out on that word, come. And then he began to look at the waves and circumstances, and then he began to sink. You and I have to learn, if we're going to step into our call and destiny, we have to learn to hear God's word and just do it. It may seem stupid to you, but you've just got to do it. As you step onto it, circumstances will be shouting at you all around. But as you step onto it, believe it, you're going to walk through it. About two years ago, God spoke to me that he was going to open up a, a table of supernatural abundant favor, funding, influence. It was going to be mind-blowing. But to get there, I was going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And fear no evil. Almost instantly, I had this uh, medical prognosis that I had cancer. <clears throat> I had to walk for five months through that valley, knowing that I didn't have cancer. But knowing that God had told me, walk through it. Five months later, they said, you don't have cancer. We're totally stumped. But I had to walk through that. And then I went through other things financially. It was just all kinds of things, walking through this, just knowing Keep going, keep going, keep going. Eventually, those tests are going to go, and you're going to step out into that place of influence. So we've got to make sure that we learn to walk on the Word, learn how to hear Him, but then learn to walk out on it. You've got to learn to get hold of one of those words, the seed, the sperma of God. You've got to know how to put it in your spirit. That is the thing that tr tr triggers the purposes of God in your life. Then finally, number five, test five, Peter had to learn to get rid of the root cause of his failure. His root cause of his failure was his fear and his unbelief. He had to get rid of that fear. And we've got to realize that fear and unbelief are things which will cripple us as we're stepping into purpose. You've got to deal with them. Now, unbelief has two forms. There's one form of unbelief, which is basically, I make a choice to believe. There's another form of, uh, of, of, of um, so there's a, a choice not to believe. But there's another form of unbelief where there's a demonic spirit of unbelief. And so the father of that child that needed deliverance said, I believe, help me with this unbelief. Two different forms. And some of us who've made a choice to believe God, 
still have this niggling spiritual force that keeps dragging us down. And we don't know why. Even though we've chosen to believe God's purpose in our lives, we keep getting dragged. We keep thinking, no, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. If you get that feeling, get somebody to pray for you. Break that wicked spirit of unbelief, which cripples you. Because I'm sure you've made that decision to trust God and believe him. But it's a spirit that's stopping you stepping into all that God has for you. We need to deal with that corporately so that we can all step into God's purposes. So Peter had to deal with all of these different things. And it was the love of God that chased out the fear. You know the verse as well as I do, that it's perfect love that casts out fear. The way Jesus loved Peter was astonishing. Just take him along the beach. Come on, Peter. You're mine. I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? The way he loved Peter, that was a thing that totally destroyed the fear in him. And you and I, if we struggle with fear, we've got to get into a place where we're able to download the Father's love. Know that you are utterly loved. No condemnation. That totally heals your wounded, insecure heart. It steps you into a new dimension. So don't despise some of the tests that God's going to put, through, put you through. There is a pathway through to ministry. And that pathway leads you through to a place where you're able to come to a place of brokenness. Where the Christ within, Colossians 1.27, Christ within can actually be the hope of the manifesting the power of God through your life. It's a natural principle. God allows us to go through stuff. Talks in 2 Corinthians how he allows us daily to, to, to go through death experiences where life then flows out of us. We go through persecution. We go through all sorts of things. But that leads us to a place of real brokenness and openness so that the Spirit of God can flow into us and through us. And none of our flesh life aborts the plans and purposes of God. So we need to submit ourselves to him. I believe, and I'll finish with this, I believe we're stepping into uncharted territory with Brexit. Everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken. You and I have got to know that we know we've hit the rock, Christ Jesus. People are going to be looking for a rock. People are going to be desperate to know I'm secure. People will be flooding into relationships saying, hey, tell me, how do you do this? How do you do this? We've got to be ready in the 2020s and, and beyond, for the flood of people who are going to be looking for the real thing, not religion. They're going to be looking for people that genuinely know their plan, their call, their purpose, their destiny. You and I have got a job to do. Don't shrink back. Let God put his hand on you like that dove. Let him deal with your life. He's good. He's good. He's good. Let's pray as we finish. Father, I want to thank you for your presence here right now. And I know, as I close, I know that there are people here that need to say, yes, sir, yes, God, I'm going to deal with this. And Father, in your presence right now, we just want to respond to you and just lift our faces and hands and just say, God, I'm, the thing that you've spoken to me today, I'm going to trust you to deal with by your spirit not by my might or power. Lord, by your Spirit, I need help in this area. And if you need help, as I've been speaking, if you need help in an area that you felt God's just triggered in you this morning, I just want you to stand where you are and just put your face 
up to God and your hand up to God and just say, God, here I am. I'm asking you to come and deal with this. I need you to help me. So just stand wherever you are. Put your hand right up to heaven. Just say, I need you to deal with this. Whether it's your independence, whether it's offenses, whether it's just different things that God's spoken to you and triggered this morning. Just say, God, I'm not going to fight this. I want the call and destiny of God to happen in my life. So Holy Spirit, you can see those who've responded this morning. And I pray, Father, for each one right now that you will reach down. I pray they would tangibly sense the hand of God gripping hold of them from this moment. And I pray from this moment, you would seal something in their spirit that they would walk hand in hand with you through that journey of dealing with each area that you have in their lives, that you can walk them into their full purpose and destiny. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Let's come back into worship.